Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night whenever you're listening to this, and welcome back to In the Fire. Um, boy, it's been it's been several weeks now since our last episode, um, so we yes. are, yes, we are burning to get this to you guys um, and record this one today. Uh, my name is Peter, and uh, joined, as always, by Justin and Thomas. How are you guys doing? I'm all good. Um, yeah, happy, happy to be back in the fire with you two wonderful men. Yeah, if you notice, it's been un, unseasonably coldly and unreasonably cold lately. I think just about everywhere it's been a little chilly, and I think it's because it's been a little while since we brought the fire. So, um, now that we're back, I'm assuming it the weather's going to be great and everything's going to get nice and warm. I think that's the only explanation for the weather that's been going on here, to be yeah. honest with you. So I, I'm ready to ready to ready for spring to come. Yeah, we all. <laughs> we sure are. So hopefully, hopefully we can help usher it in. You know, there's the whole correlation or causation question with with these type of things correlation yes causation i also think yes (laughs) (laughs) there's no other way (laughs) so hopefully there is no other so hopefully the fire this week can warm things up for all of us it will i'm hoping so i think so i'm optimistic i am too uh speaking of of fire um what do you call a jacket that goes up in flames Hmm. a blazer there we go nice (laughs) very good let's go yeah that was a good answer that was quick thank you yeah i wasn't Mm -hmm. getting to get there (laughs) (laughs) well t jumped in um. Yeah, he yeah. jumped in very fast there. I like. So we... I like it. It's a good one. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I figured uh, we could use. It's been. It's been too long since we've had some. Some of these. Was that was that an original joke, or did you find that one online or elsewhere? Um. It's a good question. I would rather. I would rather not say. I'll leave that up to each person. Take some credit for it. <laughs> Jay, if I could take no. credit for it, I would. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to bring you guys a episode concluding the book of Ezra. Um, and then in, in subsequent episodes, we will go ahead and tackle Nehemiah. But um, Ezra ends on a a pretty a pretty big note there's a lot of stuff that happens in these last two chapters chapters 9 and 10 which we will look at um uh last time we looked at chapters i believe 6 7 and 8 um we hope that, would that... Make... <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't make sense but it's um it's a little more difficult to jog the memory for this episode cuz <laughs> i don't know it's been four or five weeks since something like that Six weeks, maybe. Since we've been six there? weeks, yeah. it's been a bit. Was yeah. the last one in February? Yes, it, it was. was. 
Yeah, wow. before Valentine's Day. Wow. But hey, February is a short month, so that's not saying too much. <laughs> True. <laughs> cut us some slack. Um, and and I'm sure you guys all just recently in the last couple of days hopefully uh, refreshed your memory of Ezra by listening to all our episodes again. Mm. Um, so easy so to binge. You, There's only three episodes then, before this. Yeah. If you didn't, I can listen. It'll only take you a few hours. So, you know, <laughs> that's a nice Friday <laughs> night or something. Hey, you know, what, what else are you going to be doing? Right? <laughs> I mean, there are. Get warmed by the fire. <laughs> and there are many hours in the day, so it's it's really that's really not much at all. I mean, that's really that's that's less than a sixth of the day. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, all all true stuff there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So before we this as as with other Ezra episodes, as I'm sure you guys are um, familiar with by re-listening to them all recently. Um, this episode will also be kind of heavy in scripture, which is a great thing, um, but also just um, just good to let you guys know that, yeah, we'll, we'll read a lot here. And um, if you guys have your Bibles handy, you listeners, that would also maybe be a good idea so you can follow along as we read all of this. Um, and before we get into chapters 9 and 10, just wanted to recap a couple of the big events that happened in recent episodes and recent chapters. So overall, Ezra is about uh, the Israelites after the Babylonian exile ends uh, and, and the kingdom of Persia defeats Babylon. The kings of Persia allow the Israelites to return to Jerusalem and they begin to re- rebuild the temple of God and then begin to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and its outer walls as well. And um, yeah, just overall, overall theme is that God is at work through the actions of these Persian kings, turning their hearts to aid the Israelites. If you remember, the Persian kings are very accommodative of the Israelites return to Jerusalem. And in chapter six, King Darius uh ordered the governor of the province beyond the river, which is where Jerusalem is, to keep away and let the Israelites alone and to supply the Israelites with all the resources and protection needed in rebuilding the house of the Lord. It's in this chapter that the temple is finished, sacrifices are sacrificed, and Passover is celebrated. And then chapters 7 and 8 is when we are introduced to Ezra, the chapter namesake. Uh, And in, in these chapters, King Artaxerxes allows Ezra, who's a skilled scribe and teacher of the law of Moses, uh, along with other remaining Israelites, he allows them uh, who are in Babylon and wish to go to Jerusalem, safe passage, and offers them plentiful resources to make a, a rather perilous journey. Um, and through fasting and imploring God for protection, uh, God delivers Ezra and this cohort that returned to Jerusalem, and they safely safely arrived there. So that's where chapter nine or that's where chapter eight leaves us and then chapter nine and ten is about uh, a lot of sin that Ezra finds the Israelites in it's a mix of um, kind of a a tragedy in chapter nine and a lot of bad stuff going on a lot of lament 
uh, and then uh, sort of some kind of reconciliation or repentance in chapter 10, which is good as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where we're at. And hand in hand with that, that summary I gave, there are a couple passages I want to recite uh, for everyone to just keep in mind for these next two chapters. Uh, the first one comes from chapter 6, verse 19, which says, On the 14th day of the first month, the returned exiles kept the Passover. This is, again, after the, the temple is finished in chapter 6. They have a big celebration and uh, celebrate the Passover to God. And then uh, verse 20 says, For the priests and the Levites had purified themselves together. All of them were clean. So they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the returned exiles, for their fellow priests, and for themselves. It was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile, and also by everyone who had joined them and separated himself from the uncleanness of the peoples of the land to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. Uh, I think that last clause is very important as we set up chapters 9 and 10. And then chapters seven or chapter 7, verse 25 says, And you, Ezra, according to the wisdom of your God that is in your hand, appoint magistrates and judges who may judge all the people in the province beyond the river, all such as know the laws of your God. And those who do not know them, you shall teach. Whoever will not obey the law of your God and the law of the king, let judgment be strictly executed on him, whether for death or for banishment or for confiscation of his goods or for imprisonment. Um, so to take away from those passages, uh, I'd like to, I'd just like to note that um, one, there's a mix. There's not just Israelites in, in Babylon, or not in Babylon, in, in Jerusalem, but there's also others who, non-Israelites, um, many of which are pagans or non-believers who are with them, but some of them join them and separated themselves from the uncleanness of these non-Israelites, some of these on, um, yeah, and and join in the Passover in chapter 6, which is, um, which is great to see the Israelites having sort of a... Uh, an effect in ministering to the outsiders there in Jerusalem. And then also Ezra is sent to teach the, the people of Israel, uh, as we'll see in these chapters. So without further ado, let's jump into chapter nine. Let's do it. All right. Um, we will, we'll go in and read the whole thing. It's not the longest chapter in the book, but it's not super short either. Um, it it's the is longest, it's chapter 10. <laughs> yes, don't worry we won't read all of chapter 10 <laughs> if you feel some sense of impending um yeah there's just a lot of verses ahead we will shorten chapter 10 for you guys um but chapter 9 is 15 verses i say we each take five of them um justin do you want to do one through five thomas six I through can. ten and i'll finish off all right good all right Chapter 9. These things were done. The leaders came to me saying, The people and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands. With respect to the abominations of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons, so that the holy seed is mixed with the peoples of those lands. Indeed, the hand of the elders, of the leaders and rulers, had been foremost in this trespass. So when I heard this thing, I tore my garment into my robe and plucked out hair from my head and beard and sat down astonished. And everyone who heard the words of the God of Israel assembled to me 
because of the transgression of those who had been carried away captive, and I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. At the evening sacrifice, I arose from my fasting, and having torn my garment and my robe, I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God. Saying, O my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you. My God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. From the days of our fathers to this day, we have been in great guilt. And for our iniquities, we, our kings and our priests, have been given into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, to plundering, and to utter shame, as it is today. But now, for a brief moment, favor has been shown by the Lord our God to leave us a remnant and to give us a secure hold within this holy place, that our God may, may brighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our slavery. For we are slaves, yet our God has not forsaken us in slavery, but has extended to us his steadfast love before the kings of Persia to grant us some reviving to to set up the house of our God, to repair its ruins, and to give us protection in Judea and Jerusalem. And now, O oh our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken... Wait, do I go through 10? Yeah, you can go okay. through 10. <laughs> Sorry. For we have forsaken your, your commandments. <laughs> Which you commanded by your servants, the prophets, saying, The land that you are entering to take possession of it is a land impure with the impurity of the peoples of the lands with their abominations that have filled it from end to end with their uncleanness. Therefore, do do not give your daughters to their sons, neither take their daughters for your sons, and never seek their peace or prosperity, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, seeing that you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserved and have given us such a remnant as this. Shall we break your commands again and intermarry with the peoples who practice these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you consumed us so that there should be no remnant nor any to escape? O Lord, the God of Israel, you are just, for we are left a remnant that has escaped as it is today. Behold, we are before you in our guilt, for none can stand before you because of this. That is chapter nine. That is the word of the Lord. Um, and I, I feel like overall it's pretty serious and, and somber and also um, very poignant, uh, if you will, passage. And I feel like there's a good bit of, of stuff to unpack here. So what, what stands out to you guys off the bat here in chapter nine? You know, I think... It's it's kind of obvious, but I, I guess maybe not all of it. So I think the intermarriage here, really to me, came after the people made their way back to Jerusalem. Maybe before and after, at least continued after they got back to Jerusalem. Um, so we see that God provided for them what they needed, and it was pretty big. I mean, them out of Babylon, brought them back home, and gave them literally the money, all the chairs, all the protection, everything that they would need to rebuild their home. And we see that almost immediately after, and while this is going on, these people show their unfaithfulness to God. Um, And we know that they were specifically warned against doing this from what Ezra says in verses 11 and 12, when he kind of recounts what God had said to his people before. So, 
you know, it, how God's people, and this includes us, I mean, this is the story of our lives, right? How we tend to be in the same situations all the time. Um, and despite the fullness that God shows us, we continually fall into these same traps time and time again. So it, it's just the idea that almost in just part of history is kind of who we are and which kind of thing to think about, but that's really been undone by Jesus, right? So we, Jesus came and took care of all of that for us. Um, and in the Old Testament, we see that there are people like Ezra who are continually interceding on behalf of his people I mean, people too, who help with that. But it's just the story of our lives, right? This is it right here. Absolutely. Um, which is, you know, it's sad, but that's why we, we need God and we need Jesus. Um, and I think just as much as we see us fall into the, the trap of sin, it also shows like Ezra repenting for Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it ends on a hopeful note, um, that of like, even though like we are like we have we have been so bad and we haven't followed any of your commandments like god is still with us you've given us this respite so that we might be revived and so that we might come back to your commandments um but like in order to do that we have to confess um and so we'll we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later but yeah i think it's i think it's it's really touching to see ezra um, like pray this prayer here in this book. And I think it shows how much he does care about God and the people of Israel. Yeah. I am in complete accordance with what you guys said there. There, there in my mind, two things that um, stand out in this chapter um, that set up this, this sinful intermarrying. Um, and that have important implications as well. Um, and really there's, there's a third thing, but the two things I like set this up, uh, is one, the abomination as the, as the passage said, word for word, the abomination, the impurity and the uncleanness of the people of the land who are non-Israelites that, um, present the, the opportunity to intermarry with, um, people who do not believe in the God of Israel. Um, and then second, the faithlessness and also the guilt of the people, which um, further ignites this opportunity and um, this, this temptation to marry with them because um, one, like the opportunities there because there are um, impure people with which to intermarry. And then there's also those people which, uh, who have lost their faith for the time being um, that uh, really, yeah, excites or incites this um, this intermarrying. And then I, I think you guys both got at this, but the third thing in this chapter that stands out is the mercy of God. And I think in the faithlessness and uh, the sin and, and tragedy of what Ezra sees here and the lament and just the confession that he brings forth, um, as tough and, and hard as it is for him to do that, I think it makes um, 
the love of God and the mercy of God really stand out all the more. And there are definitely Jesus implications or Jesus um, undertones throughout this. Uh, and it shows us the need for a savior, uh, but also it shows us through Ezra the proper um, the proper way to, yeah, to intercede on um, for his people and to confess these sins and to repent. Uh, and also he takes, he takes the blame himself a little bit, but also it's, it's all made possible to even do this in the first place because of God's mercy and his unfailing love time and time again for the Israelites whenever, whenever they mess up. Yeah. It's, you, you talked about how there's points to Jesus in there. I like that because of like this, um, that come up time and time in the old Testament show us why it was necessary for Jesus because of this continual sin that just keeps coming and coming. And it almost, it necessitates something greater. It's coming to take care of that once and for all, which really, I think, highlights the idea that it is because of us and because of our sin that Jesus came. That's why he came. He didn't come just oh yeah, I can come, I can make this easier. It'll be, I'll just, I'll just go down there and I'll do it. It was in response to situations like this because we continually sin. We put our in this position. God wanted a way to take care, to bring us up to him. And Jesus came necessarily out of a result of that because of us. And I think that, you know, that shows our place in relation to Jesus and shows the, the, I think the feelings and the love that we should show towards our savior because it is because of us. Yeah. Yeah. It takes an awful lot of humility here and we'll see that again in chapter 10 um, to recognize that like it is because of us. Um, like we are not good enough on our own and, and we are undeserving of God's provisions and his, his grace and mercy and all the things that he has done for the people of Israel. Ezra is getting at that. Um, And it it further, yeah, it further highlights the need for something greater than human actions to, um, to intercede for us and to um, help us escape this otherwise inconquerable sin problem. I think that uh, this, like Justin, you're saying that this is this is just common to all humankind. Like I do think chapters or not chapters, verses seven through fifteen here perfectly encapsulate the, what the human condition is, and it's it's the problem of inconquerable sin faced by humankind apart from apart from Jesus. And verses eleven and twelve, which is the specific command not to intermarry here, Ezra says, "What you commanded by our." Uh, for we have forsaken your commandments, which you have commanded by your servants and prophets, saying, The land that you are entering to take possession of is a land impure with the impurity of the peoples of the lands, with their abominations that have filled it from end to end with their uncleanness. Therefore, do not give your daughters to their sons, neither take their daughters for your sons, and never seek their peace or prosperity. Then you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. Uh, I kind of saw some parallels between that and... Um, God's command to Adam and Eden saying, do not eat of 
Adam and Eve and Eden saying, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil lest you die. I feel like there's a sort of a, a, a similar structure here to this command, which is uh, like a specific command not to do something. Don't intermarry with these people who are impure. And um, rather than like God promising or saying, lest you die, God promises a good thing here, um, which says that if you don't do this, then you may be strong, eat the good of the land and leave it for inheritance to your children forever. And I think that forever kind of speaks to like greater than just the kingdom of Israel, but also uh, the body of Christ, the the church, like the inheritance that we can have forever uh, when we follow God. Like there's this command and so much good to be had in it. Um, but then obviously the, the Israelites fall short of it here. And that's the human condition that happens time and time again in the Old Testament. Um, in yeah, contemporaneously with these chapters in, in um, in verse seven, Ezra talks about the, um, the days of our fathers on this day, we have been in great guilt and how their, their sinfulness, um, put them into the Kings of the lands and put them into Babylon and in the Babylonian exile in the first place. And then God took them out of that. And now God brought them to Jerusalem and here they are messing up again. So it's just a recurring human theme. It is the human condition, I think. And um, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's very relatable. Like after we mess up and we sin um, and we feel the guilt of that, it's like, oh God, you've done so much good for me and you've shown us so, so much grace and mercy. And like, why do I keep messing up? Why do I keep doing the things that, um, you tell me not to do when I believe like they're good and like I can see your your work through it all um, and your patience and your mercy like why do <laughs> why does that keep happening but um, I think the point in that is that we can't we can't do it on our own we can't continually perfectly obey um, obey God and his commands time and time again like we will continually mess up and we will feel this guilt, but that's also why we have Jesus and he has made sure that there is no condemnation for that when we are in him <clears throat> and he has done what, what we cannot do. And I think yeah. you know, this, the, the pain that you see that you, yeah, that you feel reading this chapter and the Ezra's lament, um, like makes it, makes it all the more bright and beautiful knowing and the end story of it all which is jesus yeah yeah uh what you were saying there reminded me a lot of of paul and romans where um i haven't pulled up but i do not understand what i do for what i want to do i do not do but what i hate but what i hate i do and if i do what i do not want to do i agree that the law is good as it is it is no longer i myself who do it but it is sin living in me I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. For the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Um, I think that applies here. Um, just because that that is the entire story of the Israelites in the Old Testament. And even so, not 
not even to the point of not wanting to do it also even further to the point of wanting to do this thing. <laughs> um which you know we do <laughs> mm-hmm. um and it's important to realize that like because of jesus it's like we're, we're given the ability in another way we're given like the way of of truth hope and love and that is through jesus christ and i think like both like what ezra's doing of repentance and like what's happening with paul which is even a form of repentance um but it's like it's incredibly important to then like humble yourself before the lord and then ask for forgiveness and then realizing that it's that it's not you who's sinning it's the sin in you that christ has triumphed over and just to ask him to come back in and and allow you to to to, to allow him to triumph once again um mm-hmm. it's really really beautiful also peter you said something before you started that um the, your 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 nice point there about sin and i'd like you to repeat it but i don't know if you remember it <laughs> um do you remember it i don't <laughs> you have to re-listen to the episode because i thought it was pretty good but i wanted to hear it again well well thank you i wish i had i wish i had cherished that a little more myself <laughs> um Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, I'll just listen to it again and bring it up next week. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks. I appreciate the compliment, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, that's that's a great word, Thomas. Um, yeah. Like Jesus has, has done that all for us. And, and Ezra sets the example of how to go forth to God, which is just to humble ourselves and confess our sin, understand our guilt and yeah, turn to God for repentance. And I think Ezra as a, as a scribe and teacher of law, obviously understands how, uh, how big this transgression is against God, how big any transgression is. And uh, I wanted to bring up, the question that he asked in in, uh, in verse 14, which says, shall we break your commandments again and intermarry with the peoples who practice these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you consumed us so that there would be no remnant nor any to escape? Which I think is a very important question to talk about because it's true. Like it's God is just and uh, he has brought his wrath onto the people of Israelites, the people of Israel. Time and time again, that's uh, one of the reasons, again, why they end up in Babylon in the first place. Um, and more as probably more as a teaching method to um, show them, but also because God can't coexist with sin. And the, as a just God, <clears throat> like, yeah, he could <laughs> um, because humans continually break his law and on their on on our own, we cannot overcome that um or live perfectly by the law like the a solution would be um to just 
wipe out <laughs> wipe out humanity, which would, would you not be angry with us until you consumed us so that there would be no remnant or any escape. Like God, um, as a just God like that, <laughs> he could do that. That is an option. But also as a loving God throughout the Old Testament and specifically here as another example that we're talking about, um, he loves us and obviously doesn't want that for us. So he's patient with us and um, continually shows us mercy and uh, is with us even in our, our shortcomings and transgressions against him that deserve wrath, that deserve to, for us to be consumed. But he doesn't do that because um, he has a greater plan for us out of, out of his love. And obviously that is fulfilled in, in Jesus coming down and um, essentially being consumed for us and overcoming sin as well so that we can we can do that as well and one day be with him um so i think like that's a good question that he asks like it makes sense um (laughs) like we are so bad and there's something so wrong with us that um we deserve punishment for our sins but god loves us so much that he sent jesus to uh take the place of that for us yeah yeah All right. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about in chapter nine before we move on to chapter 10? Um, I just, I think I'd like to say that chapter nine just prepares the way for chapter 10 so well. And (laughs) with that, we can just read chapter 10. Yes, that it does. So we can, we can go ahead and jump into it. Um, We'll read the first 16 verses. So a similar length to chapter nine. We won't read all. Oh, geez, there are 44 verses. Yes, there's a lot. <laughs> we will not read all of them. <laughs> we will read the verses. <laughs> and that should, that should give us enough of uh, understanding of it. Mm. Um, but we can go ahead and do the same thing we did last time. So Justin, if I want to read 1 through 5, uh, Thomas 6 through 10, and then I can finish out. Alrighty. All right. Now, while Ezra was praying, and while he was confessing, weeping, and bowing down before the house of God, a very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel, for the people wept very bitterly. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, spoke up and said to Ezra, We have trespassed against our God, and have taken pagan wives from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. Now, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and those who have been born to them, according to the advice of my master and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God, and let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter is your responsibility. We also are with you. Be of good courage and do it. Then Ezra arose and made the leaders of the priests, the Levites, and all Israel swear an oath that they would do according to the word. So they swore an oath. Then Ezra withdrew from before the house of God, went to the chamber of Jeho- Je- Jehohanan, 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 the son of Eliashib, Eliashib, <laughs> where he spent the night, neither eating bread nor drinking water, for he was mourning over the faithlessness of the exiles. And a proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the returned exiles that they should assemble at Jerusalem, and that if anyone did not come within these, within three days by the order of the officials and the elders, all his property should be forfeited and he himself banned from the congregation of the exiles. 
Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin assembled at Jerusalem within the three days. It was the ninth month on the 20th day of the month. And all the people sat in an open square before the house of God, trembling because of this matter and because of the heavy rain. And Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have broken faith and married foreign women, and so increased the guilt of Israel. Now then, make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his will. Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives. Then all the assembly answered with a loud voice, It is so. We must do as you have said. But the people are many, and it is a time of heavy rain. We cannot stand in the open. Nor is this a task for one day or for two, for we have greatly transgressed in this matter. Let our officials stand for the whole assembly. Let all in our cities who have taken foreign wives come at a point in times and with them the elders and judges of every city until the fierce wrath of our God over this matter is turned away from us. Only Jonathan, the son of Azahel and Jeziah, the son of Tikvah, opposed this. And Mechshulam and Shabbatai, the Levites, supported them. Then the returned exiles did so. Ezra, the priest, selected men Heads of fathers' houses, according to their fathers' houses, each of them designated by name. On the first day of the tenth month, they sat down to examine the matter. And by the first day of the first month, they had come to the end of all the men who had married foreign women. Um, and verse 19, I'll, I'll add, says, They pledged themselves to put away their wives, and their guilt offering was a ram of the flock for their guilt. Uh, now we should so, know that put away... <laughs> the first time I read this, when I when I um, read, it's in verse three. The first time that comes up, I think, um, or maybe verse two, early on in this chapter, it does not mean kill. <laughs> so that means put in a closet. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's important, an important distinction to make there. <laughs> They're just separating themselves. Mm. Yeah. Um, before actually, before we end the chapter, and this also this coincides with both of these chapters. Uh, an important question that I wanted to ask you all, in general, was um, with this command to, um, as it says in chapter ten, separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives. And in chapter nine, um, for they have taken some of their daughters to be wives for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy race has mixed itself with the peoples of the lands. Um, I wanted to ask, does this passage, because uh, I feel like it can come across in any way as racist to you with that command, and do you think it sounds like sort of an archaic Old Testament command? Um, like, what is it that makes these foreign people unclean? Is it their race? Is it their um, uh, who their God is, what they worship? Because uh, I feel like that is, is an important question to clarify, and obviously a, a curiosity of mine. Yeah, I saw this question coming in your little outline, so there was a little time to think about it. And, um, it might come up a certain at, at the start, and, and truth be told, I do feel bad for the wives that are, we, we don't get a, a sense of anything that happens to them, and hope that they were, you know, taken care of to some extent, and the children as well, um, but we of that in this scripture. Um, in terms of racism, you actually about it? No, I, I think it's less about, it's not really demonizing other people. I, I think it's more about God kind of holding his people accountable. So, and if you remember, it's a time when God's people is a more specific group of people. Here we have the tribe of Judah, 
and Benjamin, right? But Israel in general, God's people, it's very defined as that group. Um, and so this isn't really an exclusion on race. It is kind of religious boundaries that God set up. Marriage is this unique gift for the people who followed him. So it makes sense that those who partake in that gift should be his followers, marrying his followers, people of God. And we also, it's also I'm, the command isn't racist because like we have instances of people other races in the Old Testament following God and then marrying, you know, people of Israel. I had to look it up to be sure Ruth was a, a Moabite. And specifically, the Moabite mentioned in chapter 9 as one of the people with these abominations. So those aren't people of Israel, yet Ruth, a Moabite, Boaz, one of God's people. So Ruth, you know, you're welcomed into that group of God's people despite your race. So it's not really racial. It's more of a um, are you following God or not thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would reiterate the are you following God or not? When the Israelites were conquering the Holy Land and judges, I forget the people group that was already in the Holy Land, um, but they only would like kick out the people who decided not to worship the one true God. And so if they did, there's one people group who did. I think it starts with a G, a G, a G. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> but basically they're like, yeah, like we'll, we, we will like adjust our worship to the one true God of Israel um, and of the world and the universe. But, and, they, and then they, they were spared and they were able to stay in the Holy Land and they were able to 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 do that so it's it's less of an of a race and more of a religion like who and how are you worshiping um however you know i brought up our our main weeping prophet jeremiah here and this is jeremiah 29 um four through six um thus says the lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem, Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. And so there seems to be some tension between Jeremiah and, and Ezra here. Um, however, I believe oh, this might be outing myself. Is there these? This is a different exile, right? Or no? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I keep talking. I can flip in my Bible to. Fair enough. But you know, if it's, if it's a different exile, probably different rules. Same exile. This could be a point of tension. Um, because God said, go, be fruitful, and multiply in Babylon. And they're coming out from Persia, but it could be the same. I don't know. Um, but, and here, once they come back, well, now we must divorce. And I think it, it, there, there is this tension here of, like, the word of God says not to take foreign wives. And the word of God said to take foreign wives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so it's 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 hard to think about with that i think with with this book what we see is i don't think there's no specific decree from god where god says hey divorce all these women um it's simply ezra leading israel back to god and back to the the practices that he read in the law and so i'd see this not as like a commandment from God, but just an attempt of God's people to try and repent and be holy. Um, and I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't believe God himself says, Ezra, tell the people to divorce their wives here in the book of Ezra. Mm-hmm. As I know earlier, when you read that at the beginning from chapter seven, it's um, the Persian king who tells Ezra to bring, to go back and to like lay Israel's law back upon them. Um, and so it's, I don't know, there's, there's an interesting tension here, but what you do see are people, what I, what I do think you see is like the first real revival. Um, and even in episode, or in episode nine, geez, chapter nine, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it says, brighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our slavery. Um, there's even that language there, I think, a couple times where, mm-hmm. like, this is a people of God coming back together, repenting of their sins, and turning back to God. And it's, it's a very public activity, which revivals are always public. They're always led but with confession, and they're always trying to get people to, to follow God once again and turn their eyes to the Lord, um, mm-hmm. which just happened at Asbury Seminary in the month of february oh, yeah i'm not sure if it's still going on it could be yeah there's a pretty big revival going on there a huge yeah. revival um for a few weeks which is which is really cool mm-hmm. um but yeah so like i think this this is really cool because it's like the first scriptural happening of a revival at least that i can think of yeah um in mass of god's people turning back to him which is cool yeah justin did you find out any Anything so, in uh, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to listen and trying to read here at the same time a little bit. So I think from what I can pick up and, you know, if you're listening, you may want to look this up to confirm or maybe get more details. Jeremiah is taking place here at kind of onset of the Babylonian exile. Um, so it this books kind of in Josiah's reign. Josiah dies and then in the preceding years or in the. Um, Babylon comes in and lays waste to Jerusalem and takes these people to Babylon. Okay. So while this is going into the Babylonian exile, Ezra is coming out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's okay, at so least a seventy-year time gap. Um, <laughs> oh yes, yeah. most definitely. They didn't. They did not hear and, and know the. <laughs> the word of God from the mouth of Jeremiah, but I don't know. There's an interesting tension there. Yeah, there is. I haven't. I'm not as well versed in uh, as well versed in biblical history and and research um, to provide a probably a, a sufficient uh, answer, or like a very, very deep answer um for this uh, because there is some tension here and that's uh, like that's why so i brought up the question in the first place because um like it seems like 
uh, on the surface level, there could be some conflicting commands. Um, and this, some of these verses could come across as, as kind of racist, but I feel like um, Thomas and Justin, you answered it very well. And I'll just echo, echo shortly here that, um, that, yeah, it comes down to what you believe, not what your ethnicity is. And uh, it, it appears that there are, or it appears to me that these, uh, uh, these pagan, these pagans of different ethnicity, these non-Israelites, those, they are getting divorced because they do not believe. And there's examples throughout the Bible, obviously of um, like, I'm glad you mentioned Ruth, Justin, because they're examples of non-Israelites um, marrying Israelites. There is examples of intermarrying and, uh, and that is uh, like, from what, from what I gather, obviously totally, totally acceptable because Ruth believes in the God of Israel and Boaz believed in the God of Israel. And um, like, um, yeah, so that's, that's not racist there. And then uh, in verse, I feel like in Ezra itself, chapter six, verse 21 says, and this is one of the passages I, I um, to keep in mind as we read chapters nine and 10, it says it was eaten about the Passover. It was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile and also by everyone else who had joined them and separated himself from the uncleanness of the peoples of the land to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. So that says it was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile and also others, non-Israelites, I presume, who were there. They were able to partake in Passover because, well, they separated themselves from these pagan idolaters uh, who were, um, yeah, these pagan idolaters who were non-Israelites. Um, and they began worshiping the God of Israel. And another point to to just hammer this home is uh, in chapter 10, which I, I found really interesting. The, uh, so the rest of the chapter we read through chapter or through verse 16, but through eight, 18 through 44 mentions all of the names of Israelites who divorced their pagan wives who did not believe in the God of Israel. Um, and it mentions that there are only 114 divorces here mentioned in these remaining verses in the chapter, um, which is a fraction of the remnants, which is probably reason to believe that, um, that it's a fraction of all of the intermarrying that occurred between Israelites and non-Israelites. But there's only 114 because I presume that um, there are countless other marriages where the non-Israelite wives or spouses um, believed in the God of Israel and, and were probably part of this whole revival as well. Um, mm, that's good news. That, yeah. And so I think that that's, that obviously supports the case that, um, that clearly this is not just a command to never intermarry people because they are not Israelites, but to intermarry them if they have a heart for God. And that is, that's obviously our command as well to this day. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's something that a question I wanted to bring up and Thomas, your, your answer to that brought up, uh, like the points I wanted to touch on in chapter 10 as well, which is also the question, like, how do you reconcile this, uh, uh, this 
divorce that happens, the small great divorce, I think that's what you called it, Thomas, in the previous episode, mm -hmm. with God's command to say not to divorce. And to, um, if you guys want to add more input uh, into this, you all are welcome. But I think that um, looking at chapter 10 here to answer your question, Thomas, um, it's the Israelites who say, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and their children. So I don't think they're God obeys or like God commands them um, specifically to divorce, uh, to divorce these wives, but it's more so undoing what they had done, the pre undoing or, or um, repenting for the previous command that God did give, which was to not intermarry with pagans or people who did not believe in the God of Israel. And here they make a covenant as part of this repentance, uh, a, a corporate covenant because this revival does catch on uh, and it's pretty much all except for a small few who uh, participate in this revival and this divorce uh, who say, yeah, let us done the sins we have made. Let's make a covenant to put away these wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord. Um, and so I think, yeah, it, it, this, the divorce is more of a, a recommitment to God and his command um, yeah, that more than anything else. And another point you mentioned, Thomas, is that this is a great revival. And that's like, I think the main point in chapter 10 here, Ezra is a teacher uh, of the law of Moses. And I think he successfully teaches them and makes them aware of their sins. And we, say, we see God work through this all because Ezra teach, Ezra's teachings are successful. And I feel like that just all points, all points to God at work through all of this. And there are many examples in this chapter where, um, where there's evidence of a revival. Verse one says, a very great assembly wept bitterly and made, make a covenant together. And then you have Shechaniah and yeah, you have Shechaniah saying, um, uh, let's see, where is it? You have Shechaniah saying, um, be strong, Ezra, in, in teaching the law. Uh, be strong and do it, for it is your task. And we, and then uh, and on a corporate level, they all gather um, together to, uh, to, to carry out this, this covenant of divorce. Uh, so that was very, very long-winded uh, answer that I just, or statement that I just gave. But I wanted to hear if you guys have anything else to say. I do not, Justin. Yeah, I think you covered it pretty well. It's a lot to cover in these chapters, but I think that's a pretty good overview of it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it is a lot to cover, but I think it's those last two chapters are, are really great in Ezra and point to um, the need for Jesus and also how we should respond to sin humbly and in confession and also in repentance. Uh, obviously, the Israelites feel a lot of guilt and shame uh, in their actions and um, in conjunction with understanding how just and righteous God is, um, like they feel that guilt and shame, but they do not wallow in it. I feel like lament is, they lament it, they, um, they weep over it, and then that empowers them to also repent. And I feel like yeah, that's, that's a good example of confession and repentance going hand in hand. And then 
um, chapter 10 is, is great because it's, it is that repentance on a corporate level, a revival, uh, God working through Ezra and God working through, uh, all of Israel itself and also working through the, these non-Israelite spouses who were once pagans who now are, have also been revived and, and believe in the God of Israel. Um, minus the ones that uh, got divorced because they did not, um, they did not um, believe in the God of Israel. But yeah, I feel like chapter 10, it's, it's a, it's a divorce to humans, but also a, a recommitment to the Lord on a, on a grand level. And I think that's, that's pretty great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well said. Yeah. All right. Well, I can go ahead and close this out in prayer. All right. Uh, dear Father, uh, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to record another episode, Lord. Um, I pray that we just recognize your love for us amid our uh, imperfections and, and failures as humans, Lord. We, we just thank you for the gift of Jesus and for your patience and for your love for us that you would uh, send your son down to die for us so that you can do what we, we could not do ourselves and that we have this hope um, and future in you, Lord. I pray that that your word just um, uh, causes a, a revival in the hearts of men all throughout all throughout this world so that more more people may come to know you, Lord. Uh, I pray for every every prayer request that uh, Justin Thomas and I and our listeners that we all have. Uh, I submit that to you, Lord, and I pray that we have good weeks going forward. In your name I pray, amen. 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 All right, Thomas. If our oh, listeners wants to reach out to us, it's been a while. How how can they do this? Yeah, let's try to. So many ways. First, Instagram, in the fire podcast. Right. That is sir. That is correct. You can DM us. We're super. We want to engage. We're super happy to talk to you. So please, if you have any requests or anything. Likewise, for our email, which is three in the fire at gmail.com, it's the number three, I believe, in the fire at gmail.com. Uh, and email us. We'll also respond to you. So, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and stay fire. <laughs> there you have it. Stay fire. Until next time. <laughs> All right, we'll, see ya. We'll talk to you guys. We'll see later. you guys later. <laughs> Bye.